and gentlemen, presented by the WZWA Network, it's the Insider's Edge Podcast with your host, California. Hello everyone and welcome to the Insider's Edge Podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast. California Fury. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, this, now this is a joy, everybody, okay? Because there are so many people from the history of professional wrestling. Uh, you know, so many people I wonder about. I want to know their story. I want to know what makes them tick. And this guy right here, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta build him up right now. He's a vocal acrobat, voice actor. The first imaging voice to be inducted into the Country Radio Hall of Fame for the class of 2023. Not just that, though. In my world, he's the greatest hype man in the history of professional wrestling through his time with World <laughs> Championship Wrestling. It's the one. It's the only. It's Mr. John William. How are you, sir? Oh, thank you. Wow. Who's he talking about? <laughs> he's not in this room. <laughs> thank you, Carl. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Because look, before I get into my questions, you know, I have to say it up front, you know, if um, I'm watching the weekly uh, WCW Monday Nitro, etc. Uh, and we're getting towards that pay-per-view, they start hyping the pay-per-view with the adverts during Nitro. And knowing my mum didn't earn a lot of money, I knew that it would be a Real hard for me to get her to fork out the money for the pay-per-view, but it will get me so excited, these mm -hmm. type, uh, advertisements for the pay-per-views. And that's where I first, um, you know, discovered you and your voice. And oh. honestly, I just wanted to say straight up, like your voice made it seem so exciting and something that you needed to buy. And I guess that's why you got hired wow. for that job. <laughs> well, wow. Well, that was one of my... Uh, real intentions if you want to know kind of what went into it uh, aside from the fact that it was a, a very nice contract while it lasted um, beyond that I really wanted to rope people in and get them excited too like I was excited absolutely and uh, I guess growing up uh, television radio music that that must have been quite a big deal for you Yes. Uh, as a kid, I was really impressionable living in the Los Angeles area because I was under the uh, antennas of, uh, you know, under the signal of all this great early television and, and radio. And it always um, intrigued me. As a matter of fact, I guess I would be the second generation to really be intrigued by the magic of radio and what some of those announcers could do in the in the case of my uh, my my dad, who always said that he wanted to be a big time, as he said, a big time radio network announcer. Well, that didn't turn out for him. Um, I think one of the most impressionable moments for him in his childhood uh, was when he heard uh, live the War of the Worlds done by Orson Welles in New York in 1938, October the 30th, 1938. He remembers it so vividly that he would tell me stories about what he was doing in his kitchen in Charlotte, North Carolina. He actually walked out the back door and looked north on the horizon, thinking he might see some Martians landing, you know, north of, of Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, theater of the mind, I would say, was really uh, big to him. Um, I think it... it uh, 
it uh, exuded into uh, my life too and the things that I've done not only on television but but on radio and certainly what I did for WCW and the um, and the NWO too and I did a lot of radio commercials for that uh, but I did mostly I'd say TV promos and uh, and merchandise and this is <clears throat> this is before a website so you had to give that real quick uh, phone number one eight six six wcw eight six six one or something like that um yeah <laughs> so uh, it was always a bunch of numbers that were jumbled together <laughs> <laughs> that's great stuff john and uh i, I want to ask you like as you 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 you're growing up um, you have an interest in this field, I suppose. When did you think that? When did you first think that you had uh, like a talent for voice work? Ooh, good question. I think uh, not until I reached, because I was in music. Uh, I was a real serious trumpet player. In fact, when I was in, I, I was first chair trumpet in every orchestra, and band, and marching band, and symphony that I was in, beginning in uh, fifth grade. And so I took that really seriously. And it wasn't until I got to college in San Francisco where they had a small radio station there on campus and I got absolutely zero credits for, it, it was not a course, it was just the radio station was there. And I spent way too much time. I think I was on, I remember taking a, a tray from the cafeteria and going up there to start my shift at 6 p.m. And then I signed it off at midnight. Well, when was I going to do my studying? I, I basically didn't. But at the end of that year, I was offered a job by a radio network that was based in San Francisco, and they had a flagship station. And um, I worked uh, with them for about six or seven years. And I worked with some fantastic people who had a rich background in radio, who were, who were really radio stars in their own right. Uh, when I was uh, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. So I think that's when uh, college radio is when uh, it struck me that, well, oh, perhaps I could do something in with with this voice. Absolutely. And it, you would have to do something with that voice because I'm just listening to you talk to me right now. And <laughs> you're not selling me anything. But if you were, I'd probably be buying into it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you <laughs> you're very welcome john is there anybody um you know in your field that you consider to have like inspired you or maybe influenced you in any way oh yes i would have to say instantly the name i don't know i don't know if uh, if australians um know this name but it's ernie anderson ernie anderson was uh, arguably the greatest television promo voice and he was on in the i'd say the late 70s through the 90s he's he passed away <clears throat> several years ago now but he was um he was the quintessential promo voice for network television so ernie anderson i'd say is, is at the top um for radio communicators there was a gentleman by the name of ted brown in new york i think he was on wnbc new york um, in my field, I guess there are people like Jeff Davis based in Chicago right now. And he's a great, uh, promo voice, the late Brian James, he passed away way too young and he was in his late forties. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about Brian 
And if Brian had lived, Brian might have been the first one to go in to the Country Radio Hall of Fame in the category in which I set a milestone, which was the first, and you did your research, it sounds like I was the, I'm the first uh, in imaging voice and voice acting to be so honored. Yeah. So that was a kick the door down there for, for others to follow. But like I said, Brian James, if he had um, not passed away prematurely and, and, and kept the, another decade and a half, I think, um, because I think he's been gone about 15 years now. He he might have gone in before me. Right. Okay. Well, there's some names there that I'm definitely going to uh, uh, check up and, and, and look into after this interview. Mm. Um, so uh, here comes the question before, like, I'm going to get into some WCW talk. Mm-hmm. Were you a fan of professional wrestling before um, there was any time that you worked for WCW? Well, that's really an insightful question. Re- really, I was not. I mean, I was intrigued by it. I remember watching um, as a kid and seeing some of these in black and white, black and white television early. I, I, oh, I'm i trying to think of George. Oh, I'm trying to think of his name. Some crazy name. Um, George the Animal. Well, Steel. I can't remember his name, but as a, as a little kid, I remember seeing these guys, uh, gi- gigantic uh, bodies, getting up on the turnbuckles, you know, and doing these things that we saw uh, so many of the WCW and NWO wrestlers uh, do routinely. So, no, I really wasn't. I didn't gravitate to it. I, I, I tell you, it was really, it was an audition that um, that that got me the gig, and it just kind of landed in my lap. It really was something I didn't have to pursue, but I remember that I had to um, kind of fight my way through. Well, not not fight. Um, I think I, I I think I had a cut a cut a um, a swath in the panorama of voices rather quickly. Those who they could use. Uh, instantly and locally in Atlanta. And um, so that was a little bit easier because I was actually reporting to a production studio in Midtown Atlanta when all of this, uh, when I started with them in 1995. So I had a six and a half year run with WCW. Right. So that's very cool. Right until the end. Of course. Um, and, you know, who would want to replace you? It's, that would be ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask, you know, um, what would be like a typical day or even week be like uh, in your life and your workload for WCW? Like how many times would you have to, you know, be asked to, you know, record, um, you know, a certain uh, advertisement or or whatever the words are to describe that. Well, um, well, WCW work would come up among maybe a two dozen sessions that I would have a day with other clients because I had a lot of other clients under contract, yeah. mostly mostly country radio stations, uh, some TV affiliates. I was actually at the time in the last part of working with WCW, I was also voicing cnn promos cnn and cnn international and headline news 
And um, I would get orders from the different uh, producers, especially on the day of the show. It seemed like they would wait till the last minute and then they'd get their, their what would they call their promo packages. Yeah. And those would be real. Um, now, those were real kind of panoramic background, um, creating the mystery and the tension that was between wrestlers, let's say, you know, like last week. Big pop up pump, you know that kind of thing, uh, and a uh, staying annihilated so and so in the ring. Can he get his revenge? You know that kind of thing, um, and and so this was right. This was before the internet, and I couldn't. Ha I didn't have the benefit of being able to just make a wave file or MP3 and then just attach it or put it to an FTP uh, site. Um, so couriers had to come out and I was outside of the city limits of Atlanta. They'd have to drive depending on traffic, maybe 45 minutes to get to my place. And then that much to go back to any number of studios. And I got to tell you that the, the TV um, or the video production houses that were all over Atlanta, they were, they were kept so busy. And, you know, there was a time in the, I don't know when it ceased, but in the I know in the mid to late nineties there were five WCW weekly shows. Yeah, there was WCW Worldwide. There were two other syndicated um, that were pre-taped shows, and yeah. then there were the two live ones. There was uh, Thunder on Thursday night on TBS, and then there was Monday Nitro um, on TNT, and it kept these people really hopping, really busy. When WCW sold to Titan Sports or Vince McMahon, which became WWE, uh, and that was kind of a funny, and I know you know the research on this, that it was the WWF, but that was the worldwide, what was it, Wildlife Foundation, and they yeah. sued, and so they had to change it and put, make the F and E. Um, but when that was sold in March of 2001, shortly thereafter, those video post houses just went out of business. So mm -hmm. it was really WCW that was keeping them humming. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. That's very, very interesting and fascinating to me, John. Um, so, yeah, now that you, you mentioned that, it's so interesting to think about the fact what it was like back in the 90s uh, to the early 2000s where, yeah, you can't just record it and then send it, you know, through, through email. Someone actually had to collect it. And that to me, that's like, wow. You, you kind of forget how difficult things were back then but back then no one thought any that it could get better you know so <laughs> um yes so there was li there was life before the internet and we uh we we did it quite well um so on a on any given day um even be even if it wasn't show day like a monday nitro or a thursday which, where I might get an order that morning and, you know, they, and there would be a sense of urgency about it. And they, can you get, get us back, get this back to us as soon as you can, that kind of thing. But there could be other sessions throughout the week or requests with uh, let's say merchandising, you know, it might be a quick read for a, something like become a Jericho-holic, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get your, Jer get your Jericho-holic t-shirt, you know, that kind of thing. And that's where that, that number we slugged down at the end there. Call call one eight hundred eight six six WCW. No, it was 
Call 1-866-WCW-8661. I still remember that number. <laughs> we had to do the numbers. Like I said, no uh, no websites uh, at that point. Yeah, it's, that's amazing. Because now like it's really dawning on me just how much your voice is or was all over their programming. Because you might be doing, um, you know, previously you know what what happened last week and what's what could happen mm -hmm. this week you're not only doing that you might be there might be a bit with the magazine but you know this month's edition of wstow magazine and you're hyping all the the sweepstakes and things of that nature and how much it costs <laughs> to uh, get a subscription uh you might be talking about wcw motorsports and what happened over the last race for the wcw racing team etc now that i think about it you know your voice was all over it so it's the Again, every time you say WCW or NWO, I feel like a, a hit of dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, and uh, another one, yeah, you were just conjuring up a lot of memories. Another one would be uh, get your Nitro Girls calendar, you know. <laughs> and it wasn't just 12. It was something like 18. You know, they had more girls than months. <laughs> but there was a lot of... They had a lot of uh, things to to sell, and like you said, there there was the magazine back then. Uh, on, of course, now it would be an online magazine, but you had to order things and wait uh, a few yeah. days in the to get it in the mail. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's it's, it's funny as soon as you said the the Nitro Girls calendar, and now I remember the advert for it, and. Um, <laughs> you know, I, see, I could I could sense the the different change in your voice because you're telling us about this calendar it's an enticing product for the males mm -hmm. out there to buy so you've changed your voice <laughs> slightly but then if you're hyping mm -hmm. the upcoming wcw halloween havoc pay-per-view you get mm -hmm. a bit more deep and dark with it so uh, you know I, I'm, I'm impressed John. i can tell you've been watching uh youtube you know every time i think about it um occasionally and somebody had pointed it out to me several months ago and they they asked me do you realize how much there is on on youtube i mean there there's just hours and hours of uh material not only the programming and if you weed through you can see um some of those packages that i was talking about um certainly the promos and the commercials halloween having world war three uh bash at the beach all of all of that it lives on youtube yeah, it's, it's great. It's it is great. I've, I mean, I have pretty much on my hard drive. I have every piece of WCW programming <laughs> from '95 to 2001. Wow! Like Congratulations, man! That is unreal. And I see you're a golfer. I see your <laughs> your bag of sticks in the background there. What? Yeah, tell I'm, me about your drive. Tell me about your driver. <laughs> I'm terrible. I am terrible. Uh, but All it's right, fun. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> it's fun to go play sometimes. Uh, yeah. But, so, okay. Anyway, um, thank you for letting me kind of geek out there and just ask you about all of these things. Um, I wanted to kind of, before I talk a little bit more about WSW, I just want to ask, because uh, I read online somewhere, and I believe that you had said this in 2009, you stated at that point you had still not done any uh, movie trailers. Has that changed uh since then? Not in the sense of doing work for the major uh, the major production houses that do that kind of thing and for major um, pictures. I mean, I've done movie trailers that, you know, were produced locally for a TV affiliate, but but nothing official. And I would say it'd have to be official if it was done by one of those 
those uh, production houses that generally are around Hollywood and Los Angeles uh, who specialize in, in that kind of thing. Um, I was going to tell you one thing, too, about because you were asking about a typical day. Yeah. So because because there was so much work that um, I really wouldn't I'd have to kind of set my set the pace uh, by which I returned the work uh, as it came in. And and some days it was so monumental uh, a chore that um, it it really literally took its toll upon me because a lot of the work was was high energy and I perhaps wasn't warming up my voice like I should have and uh, maybe not hydrating as much. No, I always hydrate. So um, there came a, a time in, I think, 2001, early 2001, I was doing a session on a Zephyr, a Zephyr line, which is using ISDN lines. And so it, it enables you to do a, a live recording, live session with CD quality anywhere in the world. And it happened to be a country station in Detroit, Michigan. And right in the middle of a, a, of a sentence, my voice just blanched. I don't know what happened. It just, it felt like it was turning inside out. And I just stopped cold and the, the recording engineer hit, hit a talkback button and he said, are you all right, dude? And I said, I said, no, I got to go. And I didn't know what had happened until the next day. I got in as soon as I could to an ear, nose and throat in Atlanta and they scoped me. And I've been scoped maybe 15 times now where they put that wonderful camera with on the fiber optic, fiber optic uh, uh, down your, your uh, sinus passage and look and then drop it down and look into your larynx. They can see everything about the health and vitality uh, or damage in your vocal folds, your vocal cords. And I had a, a bleed on the right, uh, on the right vocal cord. I actually had a, a bleed and then I had a, I didn't have anything on the vocal cords like a cyst or polyp, which are so detrimental to a singer or really uh, a public speaker or a voiceover actor. But I did have a little thing called a granuloma, which was a growth that was on the arytenoid ligament that brings the vocal cords together in the back of the larynx. So I had to, uh, you know, ear, nose, and throat people, they always put you on something like a, like Nexium, which is a proton pump inhibitor, which deals with uh, any kind of acid reflux, because they e ENT people always think that when you are sleeping, there could be a little trickle of uh, of acid reflux, which um, you know damages over over time damages your vocal cords. So I went on that and uh, changed a, a few things and was okay. Uh, but yeah, I was a little scared um, early two thousand one, and I think it was just a perfect storm of all this real high intense because the country stuff I was doing, especially for the West Coast was really uh, west coast of uh, the United States <laughs> uh, was really intense. Plus, then you add, you know, WCW work on top of it. So, yeah, it was it was quite something. Wow. So now you've mentioned all that, I kind of I want to get to the, the happy ending of the story. So you obviously at that point in time, you must have been very concerned. This is your bread and butter. And now maybe you're worried you're gonna, you've done some damage. Did it 
how was the recovery process and you know did it take a while to kind of get your confidence back with when it came to that i kind of pulled back a little bit in the intensity but but my workload didn't reduce and i think they gave me a, a steroid shot too yeah i remember i had to have a couple of steroid shots and those are a little scary you know but they because they say now you're going to feel normal but don't push it um i tried to ease back but it it all came back fairly quickly yeah okay well that's, that's i'm glad to hear that it's uh, been great ever since excellent to hear um so a couple of random questions about wcw did you get to go to any of the uh live shows and events and 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 hang out <laughs> oh that's interesting um that was never a requirement of the job but it was a it was a benefit um at times when it was in Atlanta that I that I could request a ticket not only that I get in and they they it was a um, you know kind of a pro bono or a uh, it was a freebie but uh, people like Neil Neil Pruitt who was a fantastic writer um, producer editor who I became friends with uh, probably in the mid 90s and we're still friends to this day I just had uh, dinner with him earlier this year in January. And I did go on. I remember it was a very cold night and I think it was in, I believe it was in late 2000 or early 2001. I know it was the winter and our winter is, your your winter is is hot. Uh, ours was cold. It was a really, I mean, it, I remember it was sub-freezing when, when uh, we all, but it was sold out, and it was in the the old Georgia Dome, which has been replaced by the Mercedes-Benz Stadium downtown Atlanta, where the Atlanta Falcons play, and they have major concerts there too. But that was a night that I remember a country star, Mark Wells, uh, said, "Hey, I'm going to be there too." So we we met up. I got uh, th this is really thrilling that I got to have a picture with Michael Buffer. <laughs> who was that famous voice the first time i ever heard michael buffer was for hbo uh fight nights when mike tyson was uh coming to the fore in the in the mid 80s early to mid 80s and he was the one who would say ladies and gentlemen let's get ready to you know i better not even <laughs> say it because because i i've heard that if you say it in an unauthorized manner that 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 he will sue you <laughs> and it's an easy payoff i heard it's it's like 10 grand to make it go away if you were let's say you were a television station somewhere in ohio or a radio station in arkansas and you either um mimicked that line which is trademarked and he owns it or or you used his voice in an unauthorized manner that and you know rightly so he would he would sue you that's that's his thing and uh so i think he was making some pretty good coin just for people to say okay i want to get rid of this i don't want to go into a lawsuit in litigation <laughs> i i heard a rumor i don't know if it's true that he got every time he did it on monday nitro for the main event he got paid twenty thousand dollars every time to and he, he only Ooh. introduced one match was the main event. Dave Penzer did the rest of the show, but 
Buffer wow. came up for, for one match. That's the first time I've heard that, but I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure was, uh, I'm sure Guy Evans might know uh, what the correct number is there for the price. But I have no idea how he has so deeply and thoroughly researched to the extent that he has. It's just astounding. I'm very impressed with him. It's uh, honestly, yeah. that book that he put out has been a triumph for me as a fan. Um, oh, John, would you say that there was anything looking back that you could pinpoint with your time in, with World Championship Wrestling, at least, uh, that you would say is your proudest work? Ooh. Oh, that's great. Um, there are some promos that I have seen on uh, here again on YouTube because I, I didn't save anything. Uh, we were just moving so quickly, so fast through the work, through the day that I didn't take time to save anything. Um, there may have been, there might've been a few producers who sent me something like, uh, you know, as if to say, Hey, you really, shined on this one I, I just wanted you to hear this really turned out nice that kind of thing um i would say some of those epic events that were the pay-per-views i loved those um like we mentioned before halloween havoc bash at the beach some of those promos were just um they really stood out and then and then there were a few of those those pieces that we would um that would set up the tension and the, you know, previously or last time, you know, that kind of thing um, that ran at the beginning, let's say of one of the live shows. And that would tee up the, the event that was about to be announced and that, that would happen in the, in the ring. Um, and I, I guess really my friendships too, with, with many across many um, producers and people who some, I still never met. I know we had a reunion. I don't know if they've had many like this, uh, this size of people who were invited and who came, but it was, it was, I want to say, it was 10 years after, I believe it was the 10 year anniversary of WCW uh, going dark. And it was uh, at, at a, a nice little bar restaurant and they, they got a, they got a separate room and you know people brought their memorabilia and we and we talked and shared memories and this was a time when i got to see who really put the show on the truck drivers the riggers the people who put the the sets together uh the who did the really heavy left literally the heavy lifting the behind the scenes people I had known some of the producers, but man, to see those people who put it on the road, they seemed to really be uh, so proud of what their association had been. That was pretty, uh, that was exciting. Wow, it's really cool to hear that everyone got together for a little reunion. Um, so, uh, you know, the reunion came 10 years after the end of WCW. How did you find out uh, that it was going out of business or getting bought by the WWF, sorry? Oh, yes. Um, <clears throat> that was a really sad day. I think the person who had signed off on my contract was the one. They said, uh, you know, kind of a 
technical terms um, that they wanted to quickly establish and and bring me up to speed on. And um, I was just sad that all of those people were going to be losing their livelihoods. That, that was the thing that really bothered me the most because it didn't put a terrible dent in and in my income, because I, I really was doing so much other other work. I mean, it was nice. It was really nice. I remember um, that with that retainer, I would, we were going to a church and that, that well, we used to go, now we go to a, a big church in Atlanta that has a, a global footprint in many languages. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a, a Leading the Way UK and there's a Leading the Way Australia and a big presence uh, because our our pastor who was Egyptian born but he was trained in Sydney he made his way from he he was an immigrant he got out of um, this is this is going down a rabbit hole but this is very very exciting he got out under Nasser when Nasser, Nasser was a dictator right before the six-day war in 1967 so he was a teenager he could have been imprisoned really for leaving the country there was a law against it uh, people his age but but miraculously he got out went through beirut lebanon and then from there he knew he was going to go to sydney because he wanted to be trained at this wonderful uh, fuller theological seminary in sydney so um he's got a real heart for um for australia and that's where he met his wife of over 50 years in sydney Wow. Yeah. So um, what was I saying about Australia? About uh, Oh, so the we were going to a church previously, and they had a building program. And I remember we, we donated at least all of it or the majority of it for a long time. Now, this is amazing. This is how I see the fingerprints of God in my life and in my career. And that is that I suddenly got all this extra Turner business, you know, because WCW was owned by, by, by Turner, it was a Turner company. I suddenly, I started getting work for TV from TBS, from Turner South and then CNN. And I, I remember back, back then people would call more than email or text. And I would finish speaking with somebody on the phone and I, I would hang it up and I'd go, how in the world do they know to call me? Why do they call me? Well, looking back on it, you know what? It was just God winking at me. He was blessing me like I didn't even realize it at the time, but I sure see the fingerprints of uh, God upon my career. Well, that's great to hear that, uh, you know, once WW was was gone, that you still had quite a lot of work coming in, John. Um, yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing... Um, you know, you're pretty comfortable with uh, your your work life at that point. Uh, you never had uh, the WWF or WWE reach out to you to do any work for them at all? Occasionally, no, nothing directly, which kind of surprised me, but I knew that they had their own stable, and I think it's uh, people up there in um, Connecticut, perhaps, people in the Northeast, um, I'm, I'm sure they were happy with, it. and maybe they just wanted to keep that distinctive sound that they had established. And I understood that I have done a couple of things that were on a minor 
basis, uh, wrestling wise. But you know, yes, you 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 alluded to the fact that I, I still have uh, uh, an ambitious schedule and a, and a lot of clients for which I'm very grateful. And my inspiration for longevity in this business is a guy that you hear. I don't know if he's around the world with this program called Jeopardy, which uh, is a nightly, you know, syndicated uh, program weeknights. And he's the one who says, this is Jeopardy. That man just turned 95 years. You heard that right. 95 on the 13th of July. Wow. And those are first those are first run shows. So he has to, you know, he's he sounds that way at 95, like he did when he came on with Alex Trebek. So I thank Johnny Gilbert for being the inspiration for longevity in this business. Oh, that's very cool to hear, John. And uh, I'll get really close to the end of the interview here, but here's the big you know, I guess this is uh one of the big questions here. Uh, getting inducted into the Country Radio Hall of Fame for the class of 2023. Uh, could you at least, uh, could you just tell me like how that made you feel and, 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 you know, how, how was the, uh, the, the evening for you? Oh, the evening was stellar. There were so many surprises. I'll tell you about uh, a couple real quickly in a second, but I was very humbled and honored, especially because the announcement was made at the Country Radio Seminar in Nashville back in March. Um, some of the previous winner uh, people inducted and who I found out later were on the nominate or the committee that that uh, gave that gave the vote uh, for me, you know, to go in, reminded me of how high the bar is set. I mean, they said in so many words, we don't just let anybody in. and and I realized that, beforehand and i'd been nominated over the past probably nine or ten years and they have asked me somebody has nominated me through through the years and um the time was right this was the year it, it just everything just came together it, it felt like the timing was perfect um i was very very pleased that i was the first to go in in this category of imaging voice slash voice actor uh, nobody else among the, I think it's 149 who have gone in previously since 19, it was established in 1975. The plaque is is just uh, amazing. It's beautiful. It's a laser, um, laser cut surface, really heavy wood. It must weigh close to, I don't know, 12 to 15 pounds. It's really a beautiful piece. And so I have the the duplicate of the one that's going to be mounted somewhere and they had to they had it on a wall i remember going to the, the the country conventions the radio conventions in the past and even taking pictures of some of the people who were my heroes people who had gone in friends of mine older people um i've gone to many inductions not as many as i'd like maybe six seven or eight inductions and seen some of the uh, people who were responsible for my career, as a matter of fact, um, go in. Um, that night was was really magical. It's a first. This is the first year that they wanted all of the speeches to be sent in before the evening because they wanted to load them into a teleprompter. Now, 
They've never done that before, but I know there are a few reasons. One, it's streamlined. And two, they know how long the speech is going to be. You know, you don't want to deviate. because. And they said, we're going to give you a six minutes hard out. And I took that really literally. I mean, I, I kept paring it down, paring it down. And I actually got down to probably five and a half minutes. Because last year, there were some that just went on and on and on. You know, yeah. one gentleman went for over 20 minutes <laughs> last year. That didn't happen this year. It was really streamlined. So the Career Achievement Award this year, they always do that. They have a President's Award and the Career Achievement Award. And that one went to Barbara Mandrell. And there were some fantastic local <clears throat> musicians, local guitarists who happened to also be song singer-songwriters. One of them wrote a big hit for Eric Clapton. I couldn't believe I went up to him and I asked him, it was Gordon Kennedy is his name. Look him up, Gordon Kennedy, and see what a prolific songwriter he is. Um, and I said, you know, one of the, the guitars seemed a little deeper than the other. And he said, it could be this because I've tuned it down one full step. And he said it was, I said, is that a Martin uh, D28? He said, it's a, it's a double O, it's a Martin double O 28. And all of a sudden he started playing these chords and I got chills instantly because what he was playing was Change the World, <laughs> Eric Clapton. He wrote that on that guitar for Eric Clapton. Wow. It was unbelievable. So these two gentlemen backed up on guitar, backed up Trisha Yearwood. So Trisha Yearwood was special guest and she sang two or three of Barbara Mandrell's classic, her iconic songs. And then on the last verse and chorus, out in the corner, out of nowhere, I didn't even know he was in the room. Garth Brooks shows up and sings with Trisha. And then they both said some very beautiful things in tribute to and looked at Barbara and brought her up on stage. Yeah, that was a magical moment. Wow. Great night. That's, that's great to hear, John. I'm so I'm I'm so happy for you that you got to, you know, be given um, you know, such a a nice thing as, you know, a Hall of Fame award because, you know, kind of solidifies, you know, you, what you've spent your, you know, your life's work. You know, it solidifies that you've you've you made it. You made it. <laughs> Thank you. It was a confirmation. <laughs> yes, it was. Very cool, John. We're getting to the end of the interview here now. I just got one final segment here uh, about finding out about your favorite things, uh, favorite things in life. Um, the first one, though, do you have a favorite professional wrestler? Ooh, I'd have to say. Maybe the Steiner brothers, if I could say two. And if I could say one, it would be Scott Steiner. <laughs> um, I, I have a funny, I, I got to tell you that that I think he was first known as Alex Wright. Remember, he yes. came out, he's this good-looking, blue-eyed, blonde wrestler, and he would do the, that little dance move. And then they reinvented him. He went away for a few months, and then he became Das Wunderkind. And or or Berlin, maybe it was Berlin, maybe it was Berlin. Berlin. Yeah. So one one night at a local movie house, uh, an AMC theater that's got you know like eighteen or twenty four screens. My wife and I go in, and it was I don't remember what we saw, but we had to sit in the very back row. And I saw this guy out of the corner of my eye, and I went, and he sat down. He was one seat away. I mean, there was one space between us. And and before the movie started, I I said. Uh, um, I remember I, I didn't want to embarrass him or 
um, I didn't want to monopolize his time, but I remember I, I just kind of leaned over and I said, I said, Berlin. And he said, yeah, <laughs> that's what you know, it was, it was, it was him. And we didn't talk anymore. I just knew. And it, by this time he had had that darker look. They had dyed his hair brown and, uh, or black. He wasn't that, that, um, uh, blonde uh, uh alex right any longer <laughs> but he was he was quite a he was quite a specimen he was a he was really built well he could move he was agile he had a lot of followers buff bagwell was another one i i liked but i i think uh i think scott steiner and um i ran into somebody just two weeks ago even who i looked at him i was uh i was getting an eye examination I hadn't been for about three years. And as as he was checking me out and I was giving him my my credit card, I just I just sat back and I looked at him and those biceps. They weren't the big viney of veiny biceps. They were just massive. And I said, How much do you how much do you bench? I said, I bet you're over three hundred well over three hundred. He said, I can do a rep of three of five hundred five pounds. And I said, who's who's training you? And he said, and he talked about this guy named Scott. And I said, wait a minute. Are you talking about it was Scott Steiner is training this guy? Yeah. Wow. A couple of great stories there, John. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, moving away from wrestling now. I want to know, do, do you have a favorite book? Oh, well, number one, uh, the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say uh, Dietrich... Um, the book by Eric Metaxas called Bonhoeffer. That was an surprising, amazing book. Uh, I think I think the subtitle to Bonhoeffer is uh, is pastor, poet, martyr, spy, something like that. And it really all went into who he was during the Third Reich. Uh, I mean, he saw he saw Germany go down. And he tried to resist through his through the church, who he had great influence. Anyway, look it up. It's a great. It's Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas, M E T A X A S. Eric Metaxas, and he's he's a one of the most widely followed authors in the United States, if not the world. Uh, he actually has a yeah. He has a thing called uh, I have yet to get to it, but it's called Socrates in the City, and they have it in Manhattan in New York City um every few months and he interviews he brings as a special guest um notable people from around the world so that uh, what else is it well those are two top uh favorite books right now yeah okay that's cool um next up on the favorite things here uh favorite tv show hmm <laughs> um one is of late Gutfeld Gutfeld on the Fox News Channel, and it's a late night show. It was on at 11 p.m. Eastern. Now they've moved everything down into uh, more prime time. It's 10 p.m. But um, what else do I love? I loved. Um, ooh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go way back and say those variety shows that I remember when I was much younger. Shows like like the Carol Burnett show. I mean, they don't, and Dean Martin. Mm. And um, they don't do variety shows like that. They, 
we ended up getting lazy and getting cheap by doing um, all of those situational or those reality shows because yeah. they are so inexpensive. Uh, but I, there was nothing like TV shows like like that. Seinfeld was uh, was smart TV that was wonderful. Um, New Heart. I mean, I love the the comedies and and real good sitcoms. Last Man Standing was pretty sharp too with Tim Allen. Yeah. yeah, some good choices there, John. Um, do you have a favorite film? Ooh, um, I you know the classic at Christmas. How how can you how can you go wrong in saying it's a wonderful life? I mean, that's that's magical the way that that film was uh, acted and produced. Um. Well, these are good questions. I should have thought about this. Um, Star Wars, you know the the original Star Wars that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not so much for uh, for all the CGI. I want a real story. Mm -hmm. You know, I want something well acted and and a great story. I agree. I know there's some. You yeah, have special effects in every scene. It's not special anymore, is it? <laughs> well said well said carl <laughs> uh do you have a favorite, a favorite musical artist or band one of my favorites is uh mac powell who used to be with a group called third day it's a contemporary christian uh group here in the united states i'm, I'm sure they've traveled around the world but they they travel um extensively here Red Rocks, they've performed recently at Red Rocks in Colorado, which is a great, you've probably seen that venue. Um, we the Kingdom, that's three three name words, We the Kingdom. Um, and they're actually personal friends too. Let's see. I love, um, I love Sting. You know, I had a chance to... Uh, I did. I did some work years ago in the '80s, and they were going to pay me with two tickets to see the Police World Tour. I think it was the Synchronicity Tour, and we couldn't go. All it would take would be drive down the valley in California about two hours, and for some reason we couldn't go. So I missed seeing, you know, the Police in their heyday. But I've always loved Sting, and I love what he says about that. He thinks that that all music should have a surprise to it. And boy, he sure has written, you know, whether it's a change in chords or, or, uh, or time signature, he, he's one for really maintaining what he, what he believes. Excellent. Yes. I, I think a lot of sting as well. Um, and of course the place as well, uh, getting away Vince from the Gill, arts... I would have to say this in country. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd have to say Vince Gill. Vince Gill is wonderful. He's through the years. Uh, Garth Brooks as well. Yeah. Um, Keith Urban, you know, uh, from down under, from down under. <laughs> Put a little Keith Urban on the Bobby. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, okay, getting away from the arts now, John. Uh, do you have favorite food? Oh, I like a really good, substantial filet. You know, a prime piece of meat. Uh, and I'll wait, you know, to have prime. Um, I like a good burger, too. Italian is great. Pasta is great. Yeah. 
uh, salmon. Love seafood. Seafood of all kinds, but I think salmon. And the way my wife makes it is ooh, so good. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road or a favorite restaurant? Um, hmm. Favorite restaurant? Uh, I would say not on the road. I mean, I, you know, those are sometimes out of necessity and you just go, okay, you kind of hold your nose and, and go, okay, we have to, <laughs> we have to eat something. But if you're really being intentional here in town, I would have to, when people come to Atlanta, I would say Bacchanalia is one. Marcel's was to me a big surprise, the biggest surprise in the last five years. Marcel in Atlanta, in the West End, West Provision, what do they call that area? West Provisions, West Bacchanalia, and the top of the Hyatt, or no, either the Hyatt or the Hilton, top of the Hilton is uh, called Nikolai's Roof. And they they dress in Russian Cossack uniforms when they, and they serve everything with uh, such precision and it, it's exquisite. They'll have the covered dish with a stainless steel, the topper, and they'll go ding. You know, they'll they'll all go off uh, at the same time and pull to reveal what your entree <laughs> is. It's it's quite something. Oh, so Nikolai's cool. Roof, Bacchanalia, and Marcel's in Atlanta. Okay, there you go. For all of you out there, if you're ever in Atlanta, there's some good suggestions. Uh, we've got three to go here, John, three to go, and then we can sail off into the sunset here. Uh, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? And if you don't drink alcohol, just a, a favorite beverage in general. I like uh, unsweet iced tea. Um, yeah, I don't I don't uh, drink. Um, I lost I lost uh, I lost my taste for it. I mean, I haven't lost my taste buds. I just lost my taste for it. Um, and perhaps maybe on a serious note, I've seen people who have kind of not been able to walk away from drinking and it got heavier and out of control. And I just never want to, mm. I, I didn't want that to ever happen to me. And it was easy to step away. And I haven't had a drop in uh, about two years, but unsweet iced tea is great. I like the um, Arizona green tea. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you have it there, <clears throat> but that's good. And water. I drink a lot of water. Very nice. Yes, I drink a lot of water too. And oh, yes, and coffee, coffee, coffee too. Yes, coffee. coffee. Can't start the day without coffee. <laughs> Very good. And I like Caribou Caribou uh, brand better than Starbucks. Okay. Caribou. Okay. Uh -huh. And I do believe we have that Arizona iced tea here. I'm pretty sure I had a, a bottle of it uh, about two weeks ago. Um, okay, John, two to go. Two to go. Uh this one here, um, this could be seen as a naughty one, but, you know, I could get a very, generally, I usually get quite a um, meaningful. Can I plead the fifth? <laughs> <laughs> That's it's an just, American thing, plead the fifth. <laughs> of course it is. Um, uh, you know, you see a good looking lady. What might be your favorite kind of uh, female attribute uh, of, of, of a lady? I'd have to say her. Her eyes, her smile, and her curves. Very nice. Very, very and my nice. wife's got my wife's got all that going on. <laughs> well, After happy, 40 plus years. I'm happy to hear that, John. Hall of Famer and a wife with uh pretty eyes, pretty smile, and has some curves. Very good, John. <laughs> good question. <laughs>
<laughs> and the last one, John, and I think you're not going to be able to answer this because I really, I have a, I have a feeling that maybe you don't do this, but do you have a favorite curse word? I don't think you curse. You know, that's interesting. Um, no, I don't. Um, and it really turns me off. And I'll tell you where it really, where it really um, chaps my behind, I guess you would say. Oh, that's a bit, that's that's about the worst uh, curse word I, I know. <laughs> no, what really gets under my skin is where, when I realize that voice people, voice actors, announcers, if you will, will 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 cuss out a producer or whoever wrote this and they'll start complaining on microphone to the person who wrote it and they just take out their their they they uh, let their disgust spill out well i never wanted that to happen because you know those things live mm -hmm. and somebody's going to put them on the internet and they are on the internet that'll live forever so that'll be your legacy that's why that's why i never <laughs> Never fell down in that trap. <laughs> well, I don't know, John. You, you you just said chaps my behind earlier, so now I've got that on you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, John, it's been so I nice do. having the opportunity to talk to you here tonight. Uh, I honestly, I've been so thrilled just to just to get to know you, learn about your life, learn about you know how, how you got to where you got to uh, in your field in your career and in life so um honestly it uh, means a lot to me and, and I like saying this to to some of my guests sometimes uh because I'm from Perth Western Australia which uh, is known as the most isolated city in the world so I think mm. the fact that your voice reached all the way over here to oh. the most isolated city in the world and you have someone in me who I, I couldn't figure out the name of this guy that 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 did all this work hmm. for WCW. Wow. Guy Evans told me your name. And then I was like, oh, he was great, wasn't he? So you had a fan of me for, geez, over 20 years. So I just want to let you know that. Wow. That blows me away. That really does. Thank you. That sincerely touches my heart. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, John. One never knows. <laughs> of course wow. and, and again i appreciate your time on the show and, and thank you very much again oh thank you my pleasure thank you awesome john and thank all of you out there for joining me here for the insider's edge podcast here on the wcwa network i'm california this is john williard and i will see you all down the road thank you i'd uh, rather not king fox <laughs> you don't want a standing ovation from your hometown, Jr. Come on, come on. It, it smells fishy to me, uh, Vince. Network. That's the way we play. Get puppies. Network. That's the way we play. Get. All of has been paid for by the WZWA Network.